Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Sustainable 166. Welcome yourself all to Sustainable 166. Me splendidly tousled we tamarind. Uh, What's a tamarind? I thought a tamarind was a, was a, a small no, little thing. Spicy, yeah, and I've recently found that out. I <laughs> honestly honestly thought that a tamarind was a, was a small furry creature. Um, and, and so when people said they were having like, you know, aubergine with tamarind, I was like, oh, can't have that. I thought you were a vegan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, yes, we are your friendly little weekly environment podcast, ain't we all? Yes. All about all the things going on and the environment and why everything's buggered. But despite being buggered, we try and have a bit of a chuckle about it every now and then, don't we? Yes. And and what are we going to be having a bit of a chuckle about this week? Well, I'll tell you what we're going to talk about this week. We're not going to talk about all the insects dying, because that's depressing. We're not going to talk about BP pretending to be all lovely furry hippies. because oh, I do want to talk about that. Yeah, we'll do that another time. We're not going to talk about a great big railway that's got, you know, all sorts of greenies at war with each other. We are going to talk about that another time. We are going to talk about that another time, because that is a classic things I don't know if it is good or not. What we are going to talk about is chlorinated chicken. Now that, there's a thing. Mm. There's a thing. Oh, well, chlorinated chicken is a thing. What if the doomsayers are to be believed is about to come over here as a result of that Brexit, getting on your plate if you eat chicken and filling up your insides with chlorine. Yes, Uh, and just to be clear, this isn't like a dish that one orders. It's not... I'll have some pilau rice and some chlorinated chicken, please. It's it's just that that's how chicken that America might sell us is going to come. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's about what we might buy from people, who we might trade with. And that's what is really going on here. Uh, And the story of whether we're going to have chlorinated chicken or not is a story about trade. Mm. And we are going to learn. We're actually going to bloody well shut up and listen and bloody well learn this episode. uh, Educational episode. We are going... Going to talk to an expert. Yes, this is none other than uh, Sam Lowe, who is a trade expert. He works for the Centre for European Reform um, and gets paid to talk about trade. Yeah, he last heard on the Babble back uh, almost exactly four years ago, back in episode four, 42. Four years Talking ago. at that point about would Britain end up leaving the EU? Ha ha ha, well I can't see it happening, but you know, it might, right? Well, four years on, we're all, our voices are all a lot deeper, we've all got a bit <laughs> older and a bit more wise about how things mm. work, and now Sam makes a living out of telling about, uh, well, we have left the EU, and this is what it's going to mean. So, we ask him about chlorine chicken. Is it coming over here? Is it a problem if it is? And then we basically like find out about how trade works and is it a big deal? And are you right to get your knickers in a knot about it if you do? And are you wrong to not get your knickers in a knot about it if you don't? Yeah. Is it a priority? Is it a thing you know, it's obviously important and, and like complicated and stuff, but is it actually a thing we should be worried about? Should we be more worried about? We get onto all of that. Now listen, Sam, we're dead lucky to have Sam on the podcast because he is genuinely one of about three people in this country who understands this stuff like you see on twitter all of these kind of economics editors of like bbc and itv and sky and everything they're all like going sam sam what does this mean he is he has a brain the size of his head which if you saw his head (laughs) would be impressive no we're not being mean we're not being mean he said that on twitter and i said we're gonna say anyway the point is he is he is mad clever about this stuff it is I, I don't understand trade the, the, like, I don't understand anything about it so I've learnt loads in the course of this conversation it is quite like you know you probably can't have this on in the background while you're doing your laces up or 
um, doing a washing up or something like it, you sort of need to pay attention and I, I don't say that lightly because you know obviously you don't you're need, not great at it yeah <laughs> and you don't need to pay attention most of the time we're banging on at each other but concentrate all right because he says it all and he says it brilliantly and he makes it real but concentrate just before you engage your concentration brains or just the usual disclaimer we do work for environmental charities don't we yep but these are very much our own views and sam's own views although pretty much what he says all over the shop please don't report our bosses to the world trade organization and take out a secret court against us all oh very nice, nice but just take it up with any of us directly yes absolutely on with it The civil service was united in its desire to make sure that the common market didn't work. That's why we went into it. What are you talking about? Hello, Sam! Hello. <laughs> Come on! Hello, Sam! I mean, it's been a long week. <laughs> Let's just be honest about it. Okay, let's try that again. Hello! Hello, Sam. Better. 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 Okay. Well, thank you, despite your, you know, apparent lack of enthusiasm. Thank you for coming to talk to us, talk to the Babel Army. Uh, the Babel Army? The Babel Army, yes, absolutely. I think that's, I mean, we've never heard them say they don't want to be called that, so we call them that. No, we should start using them for things. What, <laughs> like a battalion? <laughs> yes. Okay, right. Well, okay, we'll, we'll think about that. Thank you for coming to talk to us. Thank you for coming to talk to the, to the Babel Army. You have come to talk to us about a thing we do not understand, but we should understand because it's important. And that thing is trade. What is trade? <laughs> trade is something that no one in the UK cared about until about two or three years ago. Well, no one in the UK except me and, <laughs> and, 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 and a couple of others. You know, so, 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 so we used to talk to people about it in small dark rooms, and no, and no one else would come along. But now, but now, but now you know, it's, it's been. I hate to say this, but but Brexit's been quite good for our careers. All, 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 all of a sudden, people want to invite us onto their podcasts. Life is life is strange. But uh, simply speaking, trade is when you set when two countries or companies within two countries sell stuff to each other, and trade policy is about making that easier to do. If you're speaking narrowly, of course, no one would be interested in it if it's just that simple. And it, it's, what we talk about is trade policy or trade today expands into lots of other areas and, and, and causes lots of people to get very angry at times. ...across 1,100 cities in Europe in a day of action against the transatlantic trade and investment partnership, a.k.a. TTIP. A major deal to create a free trade zone between the US and the EU. So what is it about trade that gets you all moist? <laughs> well, I'm just like, well, come on, like you, you were into this stuff before it was cool. What is it about it? Because it's proper boring. I don't know. It's kind of fun though, because it's it's one of these things which is ostensibly quite technical and nerdy. You're talking about tariffs, taxes on imports for those who actually want to know about these things, and 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 you know regulatory barriers to trade. And then you quite quickly realise that lots of that doesn't really matter, and it's just countries being incredibly petty and petulant. <laughs> And in, you know, well, hence, as, hence the Trump stuff. Look at right? the Trump stuff, right? So, so, so he's just—he's he, essentially he, his trade trade policy under Trump is is like a protection racket. So he he looks at another country, and he says, "I'm going to threaten you with loads of stuff. I'm going to put tariffs on your cars, on your steel, and on your aluminium. And if you're nice to me, if you give me something back, if you pay me, I'll take I'll roll that back a bit." Sam has just knocked over the microphone. There. <laughs> I'm just going to stop so the recording sorry. just for a second. 
don't do it again. I, I, I'm so sorry, Dave. I, I, he hit me. <laughs> didn't hit him. Uh, and can I I, I, I'm going to ask what will be the, the, the first, but by no means the last, of a very uh, very stupid questions. Like A tariff is, is just making stuff more expensive when you bring it in or send it out of the country? Is it's, that... it's, it's a tax you place on imports. So if I was to bring in a car into the UK right now and it didn't come in under a free trade agreement, it would be have a ten percent. It would have a tax of ten percent of its value placed upon it when it entered the UK. And when, and when you say I, do you mean I as, as a the company importer. who imports or, or, cars or a person? Or... It, so so, so ta- tariffs are paid by importers. So whoever brings it into the country has the has to literally pay the tariff. We can then get into a big discussion about no, where the not. cost really falls. <laughs> What's the incidence rate? Who who actually pays when tariffs are put in place? But I, I, I get the idea. This isn't that sort of podcast. <laughs> when, when we had that Jonathan Rowson on here, we threatened him with a klaxon. Yeah, and he only used one klaxonable term, so we let him off. Has he already used up his klaxon? Allowance? I think. So. I feel we- like I've I've explained all of them though. Yeah, I feel like I'm I'm, I'm treating it like the Economist. You know, where you say God, comma a deity. So so please refrain from using your klaxon. <laughs> so sounds like trade is good. Trade sounds. good. Good. People like selling things. I like mm-hmm. buying things. Um, so trade is good. I trade think, is a good thing. I think ultimately it is positive. I think that making it easy to conduct business with other people in other countries is fine. I think that it can have other good side effects, which is, you know, cooperating with other countries is a good thing. So is that kind of mostly what trade is? Is it's like the opposite of war, basically? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know what the opposite of war would be. I think I think I think it's in I think it's in the camp. If, so, so we can go into areas when it becomes more tricky. To, you can't just say it is good, it is bad. But but more broadly speaking, it is country. It is something that happens when countries have good relationships with each other, and something that doesn't happen if you have bad relationships with each other. So it is a positive. It is a sign that something okay is going on. I think. Yes, I was voting Remain. And at the very last minute, I changed my decision and I went to leave. And the reason because of that is because of I go to a supermarket and a banana is straight. I'm just sick of the silly rules that come out of Europe. And now, on the subject of countries getting on with each other mm. and positive things happening, mm-hmm. uh, we've had a Brexit. Well, yes. Or have we? Yes. We, had... the, the UK has left the European Union. Right. Very good. Uh, and that means we now everyone's talking about trade and you are getting paid very handsomely to swan about saying, oh, there's not enough trade in that or similar. <laughs> yeah, I, I point at things and I say, not enough trade in that. <laughs> See that? That needs more trade. More trade. It's like Jeremy Corbyn, you know, going, well, we'll nationalise that, we'll nationalise that. I take a different approach. We'll trade that. We'll trade that. We'll trade that. Yes. <laughs> so, to, to, again, bearing in mind that we are thick. I don't mean really thick. You're not, but okay. Okay, all right. Bearing in mind that we don't understand the stuff that yes. you understand because we're thick. Explain to us where we're at with Brexit and trade. What? Right, what, yes. Yes. Yes? So, so, yes. So the UK has left the European Union, politi- politically speaking, but economically speaking, for the next year, so until the end of the year, end of December, everything remains the same. So we've got another year to work out what the post-Brexit trading relationship will look like. As it stands, I think we have a clearer idea of what the UK wants from its future relationship with the EU than we have had for a long time. It wants 
a free trade agreement, which is a known construct, and and to say what, what we intend that to do. It's something that could lead to the removal of tariffs and quotas, but will do very little to prevent friction at Dover and Calais. You're going to have to... You're going right, to have to... Oh, am I going to have to explain? Okay, so... Hang on a minute. A free, so a free trade agreement... Yeah. I like I like those words. That yeah. sounds nice. Oh, I yeah. See, I don't because of all the... I've had 20 years of reading stuff from environmentalists saying they're bad. Yes, I know. I was, I was trying not to layer oh, on I see. to that, fine, you know, fine, fine. context. But it sounds nice. It sounds easy. And if you're saying it doesn't have tariffs and quotas and stuff, it sounds like it's less admin. It's just... you. Well, you so, give me so, stuff, so, I give you stuff. So, so the state is that how it works? No, because, is that what a free trade because agreement because is? How we should view the UK's relationship with the EU at the moment is it's more like Birmingham being part of the UK. So it's Birmingham selling stuff to London. That's what we have at the moment. And what we're doing is we're ripping Birmingham out of the UK. Oh, I didn't realise. Putting That's it what somewhere we else. Oh, great. <laughs> putting it somewhere else. And we're then saying, well... Obviously, this is going to be quite disruptive. Let's try and take the edges off. And that's what the government's proposing, because Johnson's priorities are the Prime Minister, for those listeners who aren't aware. Yes, right. You have to explain literally everything. Um, (laughs) Well, at least... Well, at least... We'd have had the consolation of watching the Speaker being forced to eat a kangaroo testicle. He wants maximum (laughs) flexibility to regulate uh, the UK economy as he sees fit without EU interference. And he wants to strike new free trade agreements with whoever he wants in the world. But explain to me what a free trade agreement is. uh, You you still haven't explained that. Okay, a free trade agreement is an international treaty in which you agree certain terms so as to make it easier to sell goods between each and other. And they're not the same as being in They're not the same the as being EU. in the EU, where we're talking about we've we've largely recreated the sort of regulatory institutions and policing that we have within a country at the supranational level. So Boris Johnson says he wants a free trade agreement, but that doesn't mean he's going to get one. And at the moment, he's basically just, as you said in a thing that I saw, he's basically just chest beating. He's basically going, this is what we want, right? But why on earth would Europe give him one? Because he's just gone and ruined Europe. No, I, so the thing, the thing is, what he's asking for, so this standard free trade agreement, so a free trade agreement similar to what the EU has with Japan, what the EU has with Canada, what the EU has with South Korea, this is something the EU, EU has always said they're willing to negotiate. Okay, we can talk, you know, the EU saying, well, but we can talk about that. However, because the, EU, because the UK is close to the EU and big, the EU have said, well, we're going to put a few more conditions on our agreement to negotiate such an arrangement. And those, those conditions fall in a few areas, but I suppose the ones most relevant for this podcast are they're saying, well, we want you to commit not to roll back existing levels of environmental protection. Good thing. Good thing. Uh, and a commit not to roll back existing levels of uh, labour protection or, or existing uh, labour like rights. Maternity rights. That sort of yeah, thing. You know, working time directive, things like that. So, chlorine chicken. Good, yes. This episode is about chlorine chicken. Are we going to have it? What is it? Why is it a problem? Uh, what's wrong with a bit of chlorine anyway? Well, well, it's something that's going to become a big part of the UK political discussion over the next year or two. What a time to be alive, Sam. Yeah. What a time to be I mean, alive. I, I mean, I'm loving life, <laughs> as you can tell uh, from the tone of my voice. It's 
So, so one of the why is chlorine chicken going to be part of the debate? So, one of the priorities for the British government right now is that they want to strike a free trade agreement with the US, and in fact, this has informed their negotiation with the EU, where they've. But they're not asking for a better, more integrated economic relationship with the EU because they want the freedom to do this trade agreement with the US. And what is one of the things that the US wants of the UK? It would like us to remove the EU ban on chlorinated chicken. And this and this is always something that people sort of say mockingly, but it is it is one of the main things the US wants. We shouldn't kid ourselves about this. It's They want us to remove the ban on chlorinated chicken. They want us to remove the ban on using hormones when you're growing beef. And the reason for this is that pretty much all American-produced chicken and beef currently can't be sold into the EU because it, there's a ban. You're not allowed to do this. Yeah. So when you say chlorinated chicken, what we mean is American chicken. Uh, well, it's, it, it's chicken carcasses that have been washed in an antimicrobial wash. I think if you, I think the US will now say that they say it's not chlorine. It's something more similar to vinegar. But right. it's uh, it's uh, the but name. What, is whatever. Stuff. The point is the way they make their chicken currently prohibits them selling it to us in or the, selling it to Europe. Selling it to Europe and the UK is still currently bound by EU rules yeah. so currently prohibits it from actually So they, they stand to make a lot more money if they can sell it to us and the only way they can sell it to us is if we say don't worry about that chlorine chicken. Yeah, because, because for example we could put the tariff on imported chicken into the UK to zero right now and that would give the Americans nothing because they still wouldn't be able to sell that chicken here because it doesn't meet the rules, or we don't, okay. we don't accept that their me- methods of production are equivalent to ours or safe. Our, our ask will be, as it's been in the other negotiations, we need to be open and honest about competitiveness. We need to make sure we don't use food safety as a ruse to try and protect a particular industry. Uh, and then we need to have hard conversations about uh, the places we have opportunities to give and take and then deliver on outcomes that benefit the agricultural sector and, most importantly, consumers. Uh, who are going just, to uh, be the, the problem is, as I understand it, I know you're not like a chicken expert. Maybe you are these days. I don't know. But the problem is not per se the chlorine or the antimicrobial stuff. There's not, it's not a health concern. It's basically because the reason why you got to wash them chickens in chlorine or equivalent is because they spent their whole miserable little lives all round up together covered in each other's piss and shit because their animal welfare standards is too low, yes? And that's the problem is the animal welfare. So it's a, way, it's a way of sort of cleansing. You treat these birds unbelievably badly so they're covered in sores and wounds and all the rest of it which wouldn't be good to eat but then you just like put them through a dip of some horrible thing which cleanses all that and now it's safe to eat so this is what i'm told the issue is that there's a legal problem though which is that the justification for the ban is based on it being dangerous for human consumption ah. so whereas the actual reason if you talk to people about why they don't want it is to do with the production methods okay. so so there's a, so so the uk does actually have an issue once it's left the eu in that the eu does things sometimes that don't comply with their international obligations so for example on hormone beef so the us pump grows cows and pumps them full of hormones the eu bans that says it's uh says it's uh, dangerous for human health the us weren't so fond of that they brought a case against the the the, the eu and the us won they oh, won right. this case it was a wto case and the eu were told well you you need to you, sh- you shouldn't do this anymore and the eu just went well we're still going to do it and what are you going to do and they, you know they've done some sort of compromise things on uh, in other areas to try and smooth it over. But the UK has an issue now, which is that once it's left 
the EU in this on hormone beef particularly, if it continues to uphold that ban, it will already be in breach of its international obligations. And there's a question as to whether the UK can maintain a hardline stance on that, just as the EU has done. When outside of the EU, because we're now one much smaller, isolated we're, we're little smaller, economy. We're smaller, and we actually want something from the US because we do want this trade agreement with the US. I don't actually think it's going to happen anytime soon. I think we'll find something to sign to keep Trump happy, something smaller. But I do expect over time our approach to food standards to change, and and one of the reasons I'll give for that is that because of the nature of the relationship we want with the EU where we want the ability to diverge, the EU will treat us from day one as if we already had. And for our exporters of products of animal origin, meat, beef, chicken and the like, when they enter the EU, they will be subject to the full range of checks that the EU does on on, on third countries. Because so, they, so, they're going to work on the assumption that we've already diverged from That's how you treat it, okay. yes. So, right. so, so from a UK perspective, and you've seen this from some of the things the Prime Minister has said, where he said one of, he, he's not let on much of what he actually wants to do now, he's Prime Minister, but one of the things he has said a few times is when it comes to food, he said we want to introduce science into our agriculture, we want to re-look at this and, you know, modernise and the like. And what I expect will happen is that over the course of the next few years, we will review many of the laws we inherited from the EU. We will assess them against our international obligations and up-to-date science. And I would expect over time, and it will be a gradual process, us to remove some of these restrictions. And that will have a supplementary effect of making it easier to do a trade agreement with the US. You do this every time! You're... Oh, you... Oh, God! Choking on my own rage here! So... You care about trade. I can yeah. hear it in your voice. I like talking about you it. You do like talking about trade. Sounds like trade is one of the most important things that, like, if, you're, if you worry about the environment, that you need to care about, and particularly now, right? And I just wonder whether you think that people should, A, should care more about trade in general, and then B, if so, like, what bits of it they should particularly be worried about? I actually think environmentalists should care a bit less about trade. Ooh. Ooh. That's um, all we've got time for oh. in this week. <laughs> um, because I think if you look at... Trade is great if you're a campaigning organisation. And, and you know, I, I used to work for Friends of the Earth. I ran one of their trade campaigns. So, so I speak from experience. It brings in lots of people who are angry, lots of supporters, and, and, it's, and it's quite fun. You know, you can get people really inside, uh, sort of angry about things. But... What would be the impact of that trade agreement that you hate so much coming into effect on the environment actually be in reality? Not, even if it is a bit negative, it'd be small. So this thing, this this TTIP. So yeah, people so might know what. To, explain what a TTIP so is. T- was so, so TTIP was a negotiation between the EU and the US that everyone in the EU got very angry about. Environmentalists, labour unions, and and it's because of many of the issues we've we've been discussing about things the US want that aren't necessarily compatible with the European model of regulating. Oh, NHS, don't they? They want the NHS, NHS, you know, yeah. which is a story for another time. NHS, chlorinated chicken. It's stuff people don't want. And then there's fears about, you know, the regulatory integration between the EU and the US. Could that lead to us going in a more US sort of light-touch regulatory approach. But, you know, there's, there's still things there now today that I'd go, well, we should discuss that. That could be a little bit problematic. But in the grand scheme of things, you know, when we're talking about, say, a climate crisis, we're talking about the need to, you know, reduce emissions rapidly. Is this trade agreement going to stop you from doing that if you actually want to do it? No. So it's, and, it's and a I really worry, important point, this, right? 
sorry to interrupt yeah. you, but it's, it's a really important point that like trade trade seems sometimes like this big spectre. Well, it's the, it's the, I refer to it as, I think you've heard me say this before, yeah. I refer to it as the ethereal new neoliberal bogeyman. It's sort of, it's out there, it's big and scary, and you can hang your pet project, your pet subject off it. And and it's sort of quite a good unifying force if you want to just get lots of people who are angry about multiple things to be focusing in, in one direction. But a lot of the time it does still come down to, if your government actually wants to do the thing, they will do it. Right. The trade agreement is not going to stop them from doing that. It could, in certain circumstances, make it more expensive to do so, and that's something that's obviously an issue in some circumstances. You can point to. You mean sorry? You mean if they want to do a good thing, it like could, if, they, if they want to reduce emissions, or if they want to um, protect biodiversity? Look, if you were to say ban all oil majors from the UK overnight, you would probably face some cases that are brought internationally under existing investment treaties or trade agreements. So, so, so that would play into it. But of course, you could get sued through the domestic courts as well. So, so I'm not saying it doesn't necessarily come with an additional cost. But my fear on a lot of these things is that, and this, this I suppose could speak to Brexit as well, people get so annoyed at not being able to make their own government do something that they suddenly look further afield and say, well, look at that big bad guy over there. You know, let's focus all of our energy on that. When actually, look, if you really want, say, the government and the British government to invest more in renewables, if you want them to phase out coal more quickly, if you want them to wind down the North Sea, go get them to do it. No trade agreement's going to stop that from happening. One, just to clarify, you mean wind down the North Sea oil and gas industry, not wind down the North Sea? I, yes. I mean, I, I'm not, I, I mean, I'm not sure how you would wind down. Plug. Plug. <laughs> I just think I think that's a really, really central point about all this. Like trade deals can be used to blame you if you're a government that don't want to do a thing. You can say we've got a trade deal, which gets which is why you can't do a thing. Right. If you're a government that does want to do a thing, you say we're going to do it despite that trade deal. Well, and, no, that's the, and, and that's also think about EU membership. So, so how many times did the Treasury tell ministers that they can't do a thing because of EU state aid rules? Several times. Nearly every time they wanted to do anything. Can you explain what state aid rules are? They are rules that govern how and when you can give money to private companies. Right. If you're the government. Uh, a steel plant in the UK is going bust. The government should bail it out. Can't do that. It's against It's against the EU agent. rules. That would be the line. And, and, and what actually has happened here largely is that the Treasury has a very good excuse to try and stop ministers from doing what they think are stupid things. So could you have done it under EU rules? Probably. In yeah. most instances, you could have done it. Well, the Germans would probably go, we're doing this anyway. The Germans, so the French would have just done it anyway. So they become something that's quite useful to blame a lot of the time with the caveat that of course there are certain circumstances where for example if you have a really strong opinion about chlorinated chicken and you're really worried about the production standards which there is obviously a serious discussion to be had about what is the quality of life of these chickens that are being produced and actually even the workers who are using yeah, right. this, yeah. these chemicals right so huge discussion to have there so of course that is something that comes into play in discussions of a trade agreement is something that you rightfully can have a chat about. I suppose my point would just be that in the if you my sort of assumption on climate change, I don't work that heavily on climate change. I sometimes do stuff on border carbon taxes, which I'm happy to come back and talk to you about another time. But you know, we've got to do stuff quickly. That's that seems to be my my my, my view on this, which is you've picked that up, have you? Yeah, yeah I picked, yeah. I picked, up, picked <coughs> hot up hot take from Sam. Hot, there. My hot take <laughs> is that to address is... climate change, you have to act quickly. Mm. So I do worry that sometimes people distract themselves 
with things that aren't as important. And of course, you could point this at me, right? Because from a trade agree- from a trade from economic point of view, how important are trade agreements to a country's economy? Uh, 0.6% of GDP over about a 30-year timescale? Yeah, really not that important yeah. at all. So the EU-Canada trade agreement... was that a true stat you just pulled out It was close ass. enough. So so for an EU... <laughs> it was good. See, he knows you stuff. such yeah. like... Yeah. I, know, I get what's going on now, <laughs> which is that Dave just wanted to have an excuse to have a really geeky chat <laughs> with someone who understood, as opposed to sitting opposite me and sort of internally sighing at all of the things I don't understand. <laughs> internally? <laughs> Sorry, I mean, 0.6 was actually a bit high, but 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 yes, an EU, the EU trade agreement with Canada really people are getting angry about it still now. In the Netherlands, they're threatening to vote it down today. Um, if it comes into effect and everything goes as you'd hope, in 15 years' time, EU GDP will be 0.03% bigger than it would have been otherwise. We're talking about rounding errors. So, look, I get excited about trade, I like talking about it, but if pushed, nearly everyone who works on trade, nearly everyone that's quite enthusiastic about it would say, when it comes to government priorities for the economy, probably shouldn't be a number one thing. Which brings me nicely on to people. And like real people's Who? lives, you know, human human beings. I mean, not... I, I've been locked in an ivory tower for years. <laughs> I, 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 you're the first people I've actually met <laughs> since I was a child. Sam, Sam, Sam is considerably paler than when we first met him on the podcast in 2016. Uh, no, I mean, it's a serious point in that. How is this stuff going to? Well, how is how are trade deals going to play out in terms of the impact on? I hate to use the phrase ordinary people, but like people, right? In their all day-to-day lives, not industries, but just people. And how also is the kind of Brexit that we're looking at, in your view, going to play out on those day-to-day lives? Babble listeners. Babble listeners, yeah. It it depends how it's done. So so say the long-term consequences of Brexit. In 15 years' time, the UK will be poorer than it would have been otherwise in this imaginary universe in which we've stayed in the EU. But we'll be richer than we are now. So actually, quite a lot of the question of how does people feel it is about the process. So is there a big rupture at the end of this year where we go from where we are now to this new thing overnight? There's chaos at the borders. You know, there's every panic. Do you you think that's going to happen? Possibly. Or you could have another route in which actually the new barriers to trade are phased in gradually over time. So it's sort of death by many cuts rather than a beheading. And maybe in 15 years time, people go, well, our lives are you know, we're richer than we were before. We've maybe we've no, got more chicken than we did before. Got more chicken before. What was all the? Well, there was a bit of disruption, but what was all the fuss about? So, so process matters there. But I'd say the one thing with trade. <clears throat> so I've been a bit disparaging about its its overall impact on the economy. The thing I would say is that the benefits of trade are largely widely spread across the economy. So it's usually felt by ordinary people through lower prices, or if not lower prices, because it actually rarely does do it that way, it's more more variety, more choice, slightly higher quality of goods. And then you also hope the increased competition in the economy from all these foreign producers means that your own producers get a bit more competitive. They're, you know, they're a bit more on it, productivity goes up. But it's just like it, the Premier League. That's a bit de- like, definitely yeah. how it it's, works. It's, yes, yes, that's a really good example, just like the Premier League. But, but as, my point here is that the be- there are benefits, but they're thinly spread over the whole economy and they're quite hard to pick down, some of the negative shocks of trade are usually felt more acutely. So when it comes to Brexit, what could be one of the things that happens? A car plant, uh, a car manufacturing plant closes. 
because they are no longer able to uh, effectively or competitively operate within the EU sort of supply chain. So they say, well, let's just make this within Germany instead and we'll send, sell the final product to the UK. Which is kind so, of happening already. Which is, you're already seeing some of this movement happening. You've seen Honda in Swindon saying it's going to close down. And obviously, Cars Bad, Sustainable Podcast. But, you know, local impacts here. So, so in that in circumstance, that community might notice quite a big change in their lives because all of a sudden this sort of bastion of industry, the main employer. Yeah, which is a major employer, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and if you think you have a major employer like that and say only employs maybe a thousand people, but then it creates all the supplementary jobs of the people who sell those people haircuts. And yeah, like, yeah. So if that goes, then those people notice it. But there is still also, there is, however, still the question of what do people attribute that to? Is it the new free trade? Is it the new free trade agreement? Is it Brexit, or is it because we've had another financial crisis? No, that's what I think. That's what I think. What do you think? Try to have a thought of your own, Baldrick. Thinking is so important. What do you think? I think thinking is so important, my lord. <laughs> it's a new day. It's a new life for me, and I'm feeling. How do you feel about it then? Like, not not your professional Sam Lowe, Twitter's Sam Lowe, uh, Newsnight's Sam Lowe? Everyone's. Everyone's Sam Lowe. <laughs> uh, your Sam Lowe, Sustainable Sam Lowe. Sustainable's Sam Lowe. Yeah. We yeah. made you everything you are today. Not that opinion. How do you feel, like, because you campaigned as uh, everyone basically on this podcast did, but you were, like, actively campaigning to try and stay in EU. Obviously, yeah. um, you know, referendum didn't go that way, but you know more than most about how it is going to play out how like how do you feel about it and and, and not just restricted to trade like the just whole feel. politics of it the yeah. what being alive in this country is going to be like i mean i i'm still i i i have mixed feelings about it i i think it was a silly idea i'm still very sad that it happened but it's also it's one of those weird things where it's made my area of work suddenly very interesting. So my, my actual, my actual, not the my, right answer. No, no, but, but my, you know, it's one of those. You, you feel conflicted because I genuinely feel like I'm profiting off something that's absolutely terrible. Yeah. And so, what do I think is going to happen as a result of this? I think the UK will be less influential globally. I think that there will be an economic shock. It might be a relative one, so we might not ever see the sort of recession that people are predicting, but we'll be slightly poor. And in the long run, that could have long-run impacts. I think we'll be less influential in other areas. So I'm quite worried about the climate talks at the end of this year. Uh, we're hosting them, and I'm just... With, there's much of the reason I'm worried about it is Trump, mm-hmm. China, but you know. So well, what the, the election is like six days before COP right. starts, isn't it? And, yeah. Um, it, so if he loses that election, it goes horribly, but it doesn't matter. If he wins that election, COP goes horribly, and it does matter. Is Brexit, I think, a bad thing for the UK? Yes. Does it, in the long run, need to be the end of the world? No. Climate change do, do that. Well, yeah, we've already, yeah, he's already, he's already got it on lockdown. It's like, no, that's my thing. <laughs> Get out of my way, Brexit. I've got, I'm doing this. Sam, thank you very much for coming in here. Thank you very much I've for having me. Genuinely, genuinely learn stuff. Oh, I've learned stuff. I have. I mean, I'm desperately trying to keep it in my head because I'm a simple being. But no, 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 I, no I, I've learned an awful lot of things and I hope I, this time tomorrow, 
they've still learned them. Although I've also told you that, that in the grand scheme of things, it's okay not to know so much about this. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing I'm taking from it. That's it's encouraging. Like, uh, don't worry too much about any of this stuff. And definitely don't try, like Sam's got it covered. Definitely don't try and set up rival <laughs> trade things. L- largely what Sam, I'm trying to do. Sam's basically yeah. wants you off his turf. You don't need nothing to mm-hmm. see here. Because, you know, it's a small group at the moment of people who work on trade, and I like it that way. Yeah. So, <laughs> just, so, so don't start up a new podcast, please. <laughs> so if people want to get in touch with you, find out what you're doing, follow your work, how can they do that? The internet, Twitter. I, I, I like Twitter. And how, what's, your, what's your handle? At Samuel Mark Lowe, M-A-R-C. Oh, the Welsh way. Yes, it is the Welsh way. Thank yeah, you for knowing. Yeah. Sam's Welsh. I am. I, I, lo- I lost the accent so that I could get a job in London, <laughs> but, 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 but I'm from Slatty. <laughs> There's lovely. Jotham Varsa. Jotham You guys. God. Right, so that is just about it for another episode of Babble. Thank you very, very, very much, Sam, for coming and imparting your wisdom. Mm. Do check out his stuff. Uh, follow him. He's the man who knows. Thank you very much, Dave, for geeking out on your delicious trade chat with your, with your mate. You were having a great time. I was having a great time, but it was nice to see you having to engage with someone who's actually on your level for once. Oh, no, uh, not at all. Not at all. I don't really understand much of it. But no, thank you very much, Hull, for, for, for learning <laughs> and concentrating. I've seen yeah. you concentrate. I was concentrating. That's yeah, very good. It's like when we were talking about beavers, you were learning a lot about beavers. Yes, yeah. that's very good. Um, so thank you, as ever, to the wonderful Dickie Moore for the music that starts and ends and intertwinkles this podcast, to the legendary Arthur Stovall uh, for the logo What Adorns It and the Dawns Our Merchandise, what you can buy. Get a T-shirt at wubblywubblywubbly.sustainababble.com fish and you can get in contact with us all and you can if you want say how brills we are or how arseholy we are <laughs> you can send us an email at wubbly wubbly no that's not right oh, hello oh, hello because you were trying to do two sections I in one know. hello at sustainable.fish we're on the facebook search sustainable and we're on the twitter at the babble wagon yeah just about right if you would like to give us some money to help make more of these shows then you can do so by going to our patreon which is at www.patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash sustainable thank you so much to everyone who does give us that cash it is well kind of you well appreciated and helps us do cool things and if you ain't got any cash in your pocket and you want to help out the babble give us a review and a rating please on anything nice of the itunes they've got a little um uh, uh, what's the word gallery no what's that word begins with c when you bring things together uh Collage? No. Collection? No. Uh, curated uh, collection, that's a good word, of uh, environment podcasts. And your babble is like the second thing on it, like number two. Very nice. Babble. Very and that's nice. Because that's because of people giving us reviews and, and giving us star ratings. So do more of that, please. Thank you very much. And tell a friend. That remains the way that more people hear about the babble is because Babble Army, tell them. Right, we will be back next week. Until then, Dave. Try not to trade away your hopes and dreams and aspirations. And, well, just enjoy the fact that chlorinated chicken is never going to be a problem for you. That's very true. Yeah, I wonder if they have chlorinated tofu. We didn't ask him that, did we? <laughs> Probably do, actually. Keeping them poor soybeans in terrible conditions. <laughs> anyway, right, bye. Bye! Bye!